Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cinematic Schematic, the official podcast of thecinematropolis.com, your home to thoughtful conversations on film. I'm your host, Caleb Masters, and today we are diving into the most ambitious and also absurd multiverse excursion that I've seen in any media. No, we're not talking about Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. No, we're not talking about Doctor Strange's madness. No, ladies and gentlemen, today we are reviewing the one to rue them all. I double dare you, Sam Raimi. Everything, everywhere, all at once. So we're going to start with a quick icebreaker question before jumping into our spoiler-free review, and we'll also leave a verdict on the film on whether or not you should see the film with on uh, an A to F letter grade scale, and then we'll conclude the conversation by going into an in-depth spoiler discussion. Though I will say, with today's film, it's going to be very hard to talk about spoilers because, guys, I, I don't actually think I know what happened yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Joining me today, I'm so excited to welcome back my, my good friend, award-winning filmmaker here in Oklahoma, LaRon Chapman. LaRon, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. Hey, um, I wasn't going to bring this up, but Coda did, in fact, win. It did. I was, what, sho- I was shocked as much as you were. You won that bet. I was too distracted by the slap, which we won't get into. Um, (laughs) We won't get into. I'm so tired of talking about it. Right. Um, For real. To to care. But yes, it did. It did, in fact, win. And you were, in fact, right. (laughs) You didn't have the the slap on the bingo card? Okay, I'm sorry. We have to to move on. I'm sorry. I just want to acknowledge. acknowledge. It will be on next year's for Uh, sure. Oh, yes. (laughs) Who's brave enough to do it again? (laughs) Imagine a multiverse of possibilities where things happen differently. We are also... Super excited to be joined by my good friend, Harold Story, the host of the Toons Toons podcast. Harold Story, uh, we've had you on a long time ago for a My Hero Academia episode. And then we also did, uh, you were one of our special guests for the three films that got us through the 2020 pandemic. It's 2022. How the hell did it take me two years to get you back on the show? Welcome back to the Cinematic Schematic. <laughs> it's a long time coming, baby. Glad to be back. It's always fun talking movies with you guys. So, I, And I think this is maybe one of the films I've been the most excited to talk about. Now, listeners, before we do get into today's review, I did just want to quickly note that if you're listening to the show today and you enjoy the conversation, uh, please do support us by subscribing and leaving us a rating and review on your preferred podcast app. With all that said, though, let's go ahead and move into our icebreaker question for today so that you can get to know a little bit more about our thoughts on multiverses, uh, because I don't think we, we haven't talked about multiverses too much on the show. The question I have here is, if you could travel through the multiverse and remake any movie in the history of cinema to be better, or maybe travel to a different universe in which the movie is better, what film would you choose? And LaRon, I'll start with you. Okay, now I thought about this really hard, and I landed on a very cheesy um, teen film um, in the John Hughes canon. Growing up as a teen, I always thought that, you know, I saw so many you know, um, films that didn't have a whole lot of diversity in terms of, and so something that came to mind that I thought would be really great for a remake or do for one, since we do it for every kind of movie, uh, would be like the breakfast club. I thought about it instead of like dealing with like social class, maybe we can have like diversity of race, diversity of uh, sexual orientation, lots of different things happening. And then the conversation in that detention hall can be about like the inequities for racism, sexism, all of those different things. I thought that would be a really great retelling. And I think it would actually elevate the film that already exists, which is a classic for a lot of an 80s classic for a lot of people. I enjoy it fine, but I always thought there was something missing in it. And I always felt, oh, I know what it is. 
I don't see myself on on that screen at all. So I thought that that'd be like a great example of something that could be beefed up for a millennial age with a lot more topics to discuss. Absolutely. I mean, it seems especially in year of our Lord 2022, how can you talk about social class without at least acknowledging race, right? It, it's like impossible. Yeah. I, it, yeah. Seems uh, maybe if you went back in time or traveled to another multiverse where there was race, we'd be have an entire generation of slightly more woke uh, people. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so Harold's story, with that said, what movie would you go to a different multiverse to remake or see a better version of? I do have mine, but I have a name for yours, The Brunch Bunch. Ooh. Man. I'm writing this screenplay. <laughs> it's going to happen. That would, that would be rad. Come on. You could make this movie. I think I could. I'm oh, surprised it hasn't yeah. been done. Um, actually, don't post this until after I edit well, that part edit out. The part so out. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, that was an announcement. Uh, Lamont Chapman, I get the press release right here. Harold Story. Yeah, I mean, okay. I am a unashamed fan of the Fast and Furious franchise. You're amongst friends you are here. In the right and place. the third one, Tokyo Drift. I don't know if we just like built it up too much in our heads whenever it was coming out because the second one was good. The first one's head and shoulders the best. But that third one just really fell off. They did some really goofy stuff with the marketing of it and the sequencing of releasing these movies. So I think they could have cleaned it up a little bit. And I just would never have included that Lucas Black guy. I do not no. like that guy at all. Not even a little bit. I don't even like him in Friday Night Lights. <laughs> well. We, uh, That's fair. you know, you can hear Laron Chapman and I uh, gush about this exact topic on our F9 review, in which I don't <laughs> think, in fact, Harold, whenever the 10th one comes out, you're guaranteed a seat if you want to reserve it because, uh, now that we know, now that we, we know, found another, we found another one. Dude, I swear it's, I talk about this in different circles and people look at me like, you're serious. And I'm like, no, yes, I love the Fast and the I Furious love franchise. That. Unabashedly. And, and Laron and I were even on the same page when, uh, the Fate of the Furious came out. We're like, maybe this, maybe, maybe we're done. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then F9 came out. We're, we're not done. We're, we're back going, on. We're going to the moon. Well, so. even, uh, I even have, um, you know, I think I told you guys I was going to L.A. at the end of the month, but I have plans to go to Dominic's house yep. in Echo Park oh, whenever yeah. I cool. Some cool. pure tourist stuff for yep. sure. Yep. <laughs> Might see Vin Diesel working on the engine. With family. <laughs> He's working on his uh, his next movie. So I can't just pick one, guys. Uh-oh. There's a lot of disappointments here. and <laughs> Life's full of it. I Exactly. So I picked four. Jeez. <laughs> Listen, there's been a lot of disappointing franchise films out there. Fair. Okay? And, and the thing's disappointing is if they insist that we get these things, they, they need to make them very good. They need to justify their own existence. Uh, so number one, The Hobbit. Yes, I know that's three movies, but that's the problem. We should go multiverse <laughs> where there's only one Hobbit film that is directed by Guillermo del Toro as it was always meant to be. Not three films. And it, Peter Jackson, if you go, what he didn't even want to make those movies. He just felt like he had to. Um, and yeah, anyway, again, I enjoy those three movies, but seriously, one movie, nice and lean, Del Toro doing some, uh, you know, traditional high fantasy. Let's do it. Uh, the next one, The Last Airbender. Thank God we got The Legend of Korra, the animated series, because if the last, like, Airbender content we ever got was that movie oh, burned for an entire generation. <laughs> I, I mean, I have never loved a show so much and been so wildly let down by a, a movie. Um, Wow, what a terrible movie. Next one. This one might be slightly more controversial because I do like – there are things about this movie I like, but it took the, the franchise in a direction that I did not like, and I, and I actually attribute the, the overall failure of the franchise to Alien 3. Uh, yes, this was David Fincher's directorial debut. Yes, 
His direction is actually one of the better parts of the movie. And in retrospect, it's got a lot on its mind in a good way. But you know what else was a lot better? Aliens and James Cameron handed them a really amazing setup for another film that they just threw away. Again, I do not attribute this to David Fincher in any way. I think it's a studio decision. It was a letdown. <laughs> he was a victim of circumstance. Exactly. Look at him now, though. Man. That's right. <laughs> That's right. He, really came, he really came up from that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got to get a second chance at Alien 3. <laughs> and last but not least, this is a can of worms. We're not going to talk about it here. But the Rise of Skywalker, guys. I just. Oh, yeah. I own every Star Wars movie. Proudly. I even like the prequels for all their flaws. I really enjoyed them, truthfully, and I love them, despite massive problems. I have no intention of ever owning that movie or watching it again. Wow. Like and, and the it, disrespect. It's it's rough. It's rough. But there's a universe in which Colin Chavarro made a movie that wasn't great, but still significantly better than the thing that I watched. So, you know. Those well, are my picks. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, what are your picks? You can email those to thecinematropolis at gmail.com. I am ready for your hot takes. And I really hope people actually take these into consideration because I think we we have so many good. I don't know why they, there's this inclination to make remake movies that are already good. Yes. Exactly. Like yes. remake movies that were bad and had potential. Mm-hmm. You know, like do that. Like those are the movies we need to see like re remake because then like, yeah, then we can enjoy it the way we were intended to initially. We don't need to see another good version of a movie that never needed that. That is already good, yeah. Yeah, so. Guys, all we got to say is I'm not looking forward to whatever happens to Halloween after Halloween ends, because we all know it's not the end. Not the end. <laughs> Michael's going to be 80 years old, chase, chasing a non-existent Lord. Terrorizing a, a retirement home. <laughs> That's Halloween ends. You know, I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis this week did say that we'd be very upset by the ending. So, you know, got things to look forward to. Speaking of Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, man. Genius segue. That did come into play. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time to review everything, everywhere, all at once. What's happening? I'm not your husband. I'm another version of from another universe. I'm here because we need your help. Very busy today, a whole time to help you. Across the multiverse, I've seen thousands of Evelyns. You can access all their memories, their emotions, even their skills. There's a great evil spreading throughout the many verses. And you be your only chance of stopping it. Don't make me fight you. I am really good. I don't believe you. According to IMDb, everything, everywhere, all at once is described as an aging Chinese immigrant is swept up in an insane adventure where she alone can save the world by exploring other universes connecting with the lives that she could have led. This film has some amazing stars in it. We got Michelle Yeoh, we got Stephanie Hsu, uh, we got Jimmy Lee Curtis, got James Hong. Uh, I mean, the list goes on. I'm going to say his name wrong, so I apologize in advance, but I believe it's uh, Ki Hui Kwan, uh, who famously played uh, Short Round and in Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom and also in the Goonies, who, by the way, was so inspired by Crazy Rich Asians that he came out of retirement to do this movie, which is just Amazing, by the way. The power of representation. That's right. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And this is also uh, the Daniels' first film since 2016's Swiss Army Man, which is another film 
that I loved, even if I find the ending questionable. I love, I love the movie nonetheless. It was definitely experimental. Let's get into it. This movie is insane. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's not my review. I'm just stating the facts. <laughs> that's it. We can all leave now. <laughs> this, this movie is insane. In fact, I don't think I've ever seen a movie so chock full of like wild ideas where they threw so much at the wall that it stuck. But before I go any further, I just want to preface that before we talk about this movie, if things that we say start to not make a lot of sense, just know we are, in fact, talking about the real movie. <laughs> <laughs> so with that said, let's get some reactions here. Overall thoughts. Harold, I'll actually start with you. What did you think of the film? Man, I was blown away by it. I mean, you know that we went and saw it at uh, we went and saw it together at AMC, but it was I mean, whatever you're expecting going into this, just throw that away because going into it, you just could not have guessed which like the directions this movie would go. And personally, I'm a I'm a simple man. I see A24 and I'm going to go watch it. I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. <laughs> Good choice. If it's A24, I'm there. And so, yeah, I mean, I was I was thoroughly impressed and super surprised by the direction. The the things that they were able to do in this movie were were awesome. Very cool. So Harold thinks it's great. Laurent Chapman. Yes. I also loved it. I very, I mean, I adored it. I'll use the word adore. Um, I loved its commitment to the absurd. And for me, it was this like magical antidote to the kind of existential dread that we've been feeling for a while now. Um, you know, as a country, as a nation, everything. And I think when people talk about movies, going to the movies for escapism, this is the kind of movie I think about. And so I remember leaving the theater feeling like my head was exploding in an exhilarating <laughs> way. You know, was confetti coming out of confetti it? was coming out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and because of all of the ideas and the genres and the, just all of the themes, everything that was woven together so beautifully in this movie, um, there's really, truly something for everybody here. So um, I adored it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think, you know, I'm just going to echo what's already been said. This movie is incredible. The filmmaking is incredible, but also the experience of watching it and processing what you just watched is incredible. Because again, it throws a lot at you. I mean, the closest comparison that I can come up with in my head is like if you when you, if you go could go back in time and watch The Matrix for the first time, not knowing what it was, in which that movie also slowly reveals like what is going on. Except for take that feeling, but multiply it by 10 right yeah. because <laughs> yeah. i felt There's like matrix turn up the absurdity <laughs> exactly yeah because this movie felt so fresh so much like escapist cinema it loves movies it loves people it's got so many crazy ideas it's got a big heart it's got a cast that's out of this world it's got jackie chan style fight Dude. sequences oh that's yep I mean, that's not even, that's just the tip of the iceberg. This movie is the reason I love movies. This is the reason this, we go. This is the reason we go. These are the movies that we see and we're like, this is why movies are so powerful and so beautiful and um, really are a really important aspect to our culture. And on top of, like you said, LeBron, out, I'm outside of just, yes, the world's insane. But even like the theatrical experience for the last couple of years has been, it, you know, every once in a while we'll get one. Where we're like, yeah, this is pretty fresh. Or we got, oh, like this indie film came out. It's good. But like overwhelmingly, it's been superhero movies and huge tentpole films coming out week in and week out. And to get this just feels like a gift, really. Overall, I'm I'm singing the praises of the film as well. And again, we're going to get much more detail than spoilers, so I'm going to try to avoid 
any of the specific things we see, but I do just want to talk a little bit about the, the plot mechanics here because this film, as I've already said, throws everything, the kitchen sink, everything in your house, the toilet, uh, <laughs> like like uh, you're in 64 like everything that could stick to the wall it throws it and and uh, miraculously most of it sticks but it is still a lot uh, so I just wanted to see how well you guys thought the film handled sort of revealing its hand so Lauren I'll start with you on that uh, I'll use the word deftly I think it um it really it juggles really it's juggling five genres I went down through and kind of pared it down it was like there's an action film contained in here there's a comedy contained in here there's a romance contained in here there's a science fiction film contained in here, you know. So, it, it, so action, comedy, drama, sci-fi, romance—all those are incorporated here, um, and it does it with such ease. And like those are things that you don't think would, you know, kind of, you know, mesh well together. But for me, I think the anchor here that really works is because we have a powerhouse actress who's able to really imbue all of these genres and every kind of wild narrative turn you know, with emotion and, and gravity. So, and I think that um, even in the most absurd universes, there are a stakes, you know, stakes in every space, even if they're just emotional stakes. And I think that it would not work without the the right actor or actress to, to really, you know, be our guide through all of these spaces. I think even the most bizarre, like absurd moments, you know, have weight because we have this actress that, you know, that gives it gives it uh, gravitas. So Michelle Yeoh really does ground the film. And I mean, I've been a big fan of hers for a long, long time. She's a tremendous actress. But to see the the range that she has in this film, and I'm not saying like as in it's just dramatic range. I'm saying she has to do so many different things and make it all feel like it's part of the same thing. Yeah. Same performance. Just incredible. Harold, how about you? You know, they threw a lot at you. I mean, did you feel like it was a really solid experience? What do you think of the way they sort of revealed that information to you? No, I think it is great. Um, the way that they build the narrative, the exposition comes that they don't do a lot of handholding, which I like. Um, but they do it in a way where we're learning the things with her mm-hmm. in a way that was like interesting, you know, compelling or completely novel. You had a great point about her having to be versatile in it. There was a moment in the, and at, you know, we'll get into more specific things later, but I turned to Daniel at one point that went with us and I told him like, she had to learn how to do all that stuff. Like it, it was just it's so mind blowing. The, the depth that she went to for all these different um, threads she's pulling at, like it was insane, but yeah, just the, the novel way to show you know, there's kind of a central theme throughout, and it's showing it in different ways. It's funny. I'm trying to say it without giving too much stuff away. Yeah. I know yeah. we're going to get into it later, but <laughs> but yeah, I was blown away. I can't say that enough. Like, it's just crazy to go in and not know what to expect and then he- have even that blown out of the water. Like, like that's what this movie does. moment to moment, too. Like, yeah. not just, like, in general. Like exactly. Just, yeah. when, whenever discussing uh, Harold, of course, as you referenced, we saw this together with a friend of the show, Daniel Bokemper. Um we were talking about the things that happened in the film. So much stuff happens that I forgot about some of the stuff. Like, cause you get so much <laughs> yeah. thrown at you. You're like, yeah. Oh, you remember that thing halfway through the film that was hilarious. It's like, I forgot about that yeah. because of all the other stuff that happened. Exactly. But, it, but in a good way, it wasn't like it got buried. It's just like the, there's a good bang for your buck on moment. Like the movie's always clipping along at a great pace. You're always getting just the right amount of information without 
it also feels like there's still a little bit of a mystery for a good two thirds of the film. Yeah, you know, and um, the way they're able to, to lay that out while explaining the rules to your point, while also being wildly entertaining as they explain the rules. I mean, I think what was it? Uh, again, I'll be vague. One example is Jamie Lee Curtis hitting herself in the forehead with the stapler. You're like, what the heck is going on here? Why did she just do that? And again, that's like early in the film that that happens. Right. Huge credit to the Daniels on this as well. Swiss Army Man was a, a gem. I like it. I treasure that film. Also A24. Also A24. Brought to you by. <laughs> I know. We're taking sponsorships A24. Sponsored by. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, what I'll say is I, well, I found that film impressive. What they did here was such a giant step up from that. It was a great film. This is on a whole nother level. It's operating in such a way that I feel like few filmmakers get to like live in this sort of level of creativity. Yeah. The rewatchability in this movie's through the roof too. I can't wait to oh, rewatch yeah. it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. This is one that's once it's on streaming. I'm just going to turn it on again, <laughs> much like the matrix or the Mad Max Fury roads or whatever. Like I'll just flip it on and probably end up watching the whole movie. Right. <laughs> um, which actually segues really well. Uh, again, we're going to be much more detailed than spoilers, but let's go ahead and just and so we can get there let's talk about letter grade here so what letter grade would we give the film and harold i'll throw it back to you oh man this is a full send a plus a plus i mean i can't there are things that are little ticks in my head that could be like a negative per se but there's nothing where i'm like i've got to take a lot of points away on this it this is just it's hard because there's nothing to compare this to like in my head, it was like, I don't know how I could even dock this in this area. Like, so for me, like I could rewatch this. This is like one of those movies that I want to evangelize. Like I want everyone <laughs> I've ever met to watch this. Yes. So yeah, man, that is just, I mean, phenomenal to me. Yeah. No, Harold, I, I love this. Uh, it reminds me of uh, talking about evangelizing. It always takes me back to when I was in college and I saw Inception and I was like, you got to see this movie. And you literally tell everybody you're yep. basically a prophet on the street corner saying this movie <laughs> will change your life. <laughs> this is one of those movies for sure. <laughs> big Absolutely. agree. Yeah, big agree. Lauren Chapman, what letter grade would you give the film? So I give this film a solid A. Um It's a near perfect movie for me. I do think from, pa from a pacing standpoint, I think it's well paced. Mostly throughout, I think the third act is a little long. Um, so I would say maybe about 15, 15, 20 minutes too long. But I, but that's a minor gripe. It's something, again, as far as replayability, I will put it on, you know, uh, any day of the week because it's just so much fun throughout. So, yeah, I, I'm going to echo that. I'm going to give an A minus. I, 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 not because I think this film is bad the, the experience of seeing this is an a plus yeah if i try to really break it down i do think it yeah it's a little messy especially in the last act um and i'm not saying like messy is in it it waters down the movie at all i just feel like it could have been tightened up a Tighten, little bit yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, this movie has no problem indulging and again it kind of works for me at least the first time because i just i'm so in love with all the things they're doing yeah but i do think it's someone else on rewatch especially you're gonna be like well do we need this well, the second, and I think, third. and I think, and I think, in commenting on that, like just like the chapter breakdowns are an example, like you know, because I remember we got the first one like right off, you yeah. know, like you know everything, and then like it's about an hour, yeah, I don't oh, know how long. It's over half the way through the movie. It's like the, I thought the movie was ending, and we hadn't even got. Yet. I was like, are we just gonna have one chapter? And then you see everything, and I'm like. Is this movie like? Do I have another hour it's of this like a movie? movie yeah, and a movie and a movie like. <laughs> and so I feel like that third chapter is just kind of like, a, it's like it's basically just a tiny 
chunk of them. And so just that just that level of of that just kind of showed me there's a little bit of an imbalance there, but there's just so much going on to entertain you throughout that process that it's it's really not a huge gripe, but mm-hmm. it is something I did notice in the last act. Yeah, I think we're kind of all dancing around the same because like when we get later into speaking specifically to that, like we probably are kind of dancing around the same thing that the one kind of qualm that I had with this. Yeah. And again, like it's, it's at the end of the day, I mean, especially the first time yeah, it, 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 I didn't mind it that much, but it's one of those, like, I, I, I think we'll be able to look back and say, okay, this movie's so damn good. I'm going to nitpick this one thing. So, yeah, that, you know, right. uh, because I think it's, I think this is a really special movie overall. Uh, with that said, before we go into our spoiler section, let's talk about some alternate movie, television, novel, video game, or other media recommendations that you would recommend to listeners who do enjoy everything, everywhere, all at once. And uh, Harold, I mean, you said there's nothing else like it, so I'm obviously going to give you the easy task of making <laughs> a recommendation here. There's nothing like it in what this film did, right. but the same, you know, when we talk about rewatchability, I think of... Um, First of all, The Matrix is going to be one. I'm sure we're all going to say that probably because just for specifics what we'll get into later. But This has Wachowski vibes, yeah, very strong sure. Wachowski vibes. Yeah. And as far as like what we talked about with the rewatchability, it makes me think of a movie that you watch again and you find something new every time. That's The Prestige. Mm, yeah. Every time yep. you watch that movie again, yeah. I almost to this day, if I watched it again today, I would notice something else different probably. That's kind of the energy that I got from that as far as like something to compare it to as far as like from that end of being uh, watching it again and finding something new every time. Prestige is great. That's another one of those movies. I think I've probably seen it like a dozen times at least. And every time I'm like, man, this you can just turn it on, <laughs> watch, pop it and watch it on Christopher Nolan. It's a good shout out. Uh, I do like those recommendations, but Lauren Chapman, I'm going to turn it over to you. Um, so, yeah, I think. Obviously, yeah, anything Wachowskis, I mean, any of their, even their their lesser known movies, I think. But, um, of course, The Matrix, of course, Cloud Atlas kind of comes to mind. Cloud Atlas is a good one. Definitely. But also, um, I just recommend people go and watch Michelle Yeoh's entire filmography. Because when they when I heard that she was not the first choice for this, that they actually wanted either Jackie Chan or some some male figure to play that character – that kind of blows my mind now having seen the movie because I can't think of I can't think of an actor period that could have done this, you know, as deftly as she did, um, because it really is a highlight reel for all of her different performance styles, you know, because she is an she's an action star, but she's also does comedy. She also does drama. And this movie encapsulates all of those things. And so it, it just feels like it's tailor made for all of her abilities. And so. Um, it's like pitch perfect casting to me. So I say watch all, watch all of her movies and then watch this movie and then you'll say that she was born. This is the culmination of her of her, of her entire career. You're like you're so. sure they didn't write this movie for her? That exactly. Is, yeah, right. That is a great point. That is like crazy that, to think that she was the first choice. And then when you go back and see her body of work, you're like, how was she not? Right, exactly. All right. So yes, uh, Wachowski's all day. It's got, it's got, it's got that weird variation of drama, action, comedy, multi-genre bending, just like most of their things. Clyde Atlas being my favorite. So Laurent thanks for giving that a shout out. And I think especially with that one, having like the multiple storylines happening at the same time, um, it's just a really great connection. 
Um, I'd also throw out uh, one that I enjoy. This is uh, Source Code, starring Jake Gyllenhaal oh, uh, yeah. from way back in the day. Gosh, I guess it turned, oh, it's 11 years. It was 2011, so about 11-year-old movie. Yeah, I know, right? Wow. Uh, it's from Duncan Jones. has to do a little bit with alternate realities a little yep. bit. I'm I forgot also, about that movie. Great turn I, in that I movie know, too. I know, exactly right. It, uh, that's a low. That's a sleeper. I it remember is. when it came yeah. out, and I was blown away. And I, I that was when I was I walked into the theater actually not knowing what it was about, and just yeah. mind blown. Um, yeah, not to derail that either. We talked about Ethan Hawke being underrated. Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal. Some of the, people forget some of the things he was in. He is uh, very good in pretty much every movie uh, that I've seen him in, even when the movies are sometimes very bad. Yeah. I'd also recommend a TV show uh, that I think more people should see. Fringe deals with, I mean, it's kind of a, yeah, it's definitely a spoiler, uh, as in you don't find out until season three. But multiverses do in some capacity, I won't say to what degree, do in some way influence and play a, a role in the story. And I found the way they utilize multi versus and that to be a lot of fun so fringe i believe it's now streaming on hbo max especially if you're a fan of the x-files or any of those sort of case of the week genre shows that we used to get a bunch of in the 90s you absolutely want to check out fringe it's good stuff with that said we have so many things to talk about and spoilers ladies and gentlemen so uh without further ado if you don't want to be spoiled on everything everywhere all at once go ahead and tune out now Try to understand it. Feel it. I have boiled this down to three subtopics, but seriously, guys, this is jazz. We can go anywhere because this movie is wild. I want to start just by talking about the multiverse story, or as I like to call it, the Daniel's own multiverse of madness, because I just... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There's a Marvel multiverse movie that's probably going to be fine, but it's not going to be nearly as good as this. So, um, so what did you guys think about this take on the multiverse? Like, uh, I, it was. I found it pretty compelling in, in the way that like the rules were so bonkers. Hmm. Like, yeah, there's multiple universes, and how do you access it by doing this totally random thing and hitting this little, by the way, yeah, who uses the Bluetooth, those old school Bluetooth? No, not the ones like that are out today, like the ones from like 20 years ago, they're huge. Um, like just bizarre rules. Um, and, and sort of even the way that you sort of coexist in both of the multiverses, at least for a short period of time. What, what did you guys think about that? Uh, Harold, I'll start with you. I've never seen anything like that or even someone try to do it like this where it's like you have to, chew a piece of bubble gum and put it on the bottom of your shoe to be able to do Kung Fu. Like this was insane. Like that was the most, one of the most, like one of the more entertaining things to see them kind of go through. And they, they do a good way of, uh, they have a good way of um, kind of building that into the narrative of in ways that are kind of cringe. At one point he has to um, uh, do paper cuts in between three oh, fingers or something. I've never been, that was the everyone collectively was like, like <laughs> the only way to, like, the only way to save the, the universe Harold is to, Jump on to a butt and land on <laughs> oh to a my butt God. plug. Oh, yeah, I, I, know, I, there. Like a plug. <laughs> I blocked that out and then now it's back again. I know. <laughs> it's like, 
Your, your brain does that for trauma. <laughs> you're right, you're right. Yeah, but here's Caleb bringing it back. <laughs> you were mistaken. You see, you 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 you, for, you thought you forgot the butt plug. What you actually forgot about was the trophy. So. Absolutely, <laughs> isn't it though? No. Um, so anyway, sorry, Harold. Let me to cut you off. No, man. It's it's definitely you know I can't say this word enough. Novel. It's I've never even thought about something being set up this way and kind of addressing it in this way. This is where kind of the Matrix thing comes in. Is we see, you know, had big vibes of like the, uh, uh, do you know how to fly this? Whenever she, when Trinity's trying to fly a helicopter, she's like, right. now I do, like downloads it. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. that, that energy through and through. It's like, yeah, there's a universe where, you know, Kung Fu, do this thing and you can do it. Um, so cool. Yeah, I, I love and that. And I love how they flash into the universe whenever they do it to you. Like you see, you see that entire life like boiled down to like 30 seconds. Right. And so, yeah, it's just. I, I loved it, and we see how it what happens when it goes wrong, and that's even built into the narrative, and that was fun. So it's like, man, this just blew my mind for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Laurent, what did you think? I, yeah, I love that playfulness of it. It it reminded me a lot of a video game in the sense that, um, which I think would it would actually make a fun video game if people are considering that. It's probably already in the works. I'm not. I didn't come up with the idea. Um, <laughs> I will buy that game day one, blind buy. <laughs> it's like. But I think that it's also the kind of story that like um, could bite off more than it could could chew, you know, in a in the wrong hands, you know. And I felt like, you know, that it basically um, it could trip over itself. It could be too expositiony. But I think because the characters again were so well drawn, and like again, all of the emotional through lines were really well pronounced. That um, it really didn't matter which which what crazy thing was happening which world we were in because we we love being around these people so much and i think that that's such an important testament to like you know good characterization because if the characters aren't likable then i don't think we would care about we would we would get lost in all the mishigog of all this so um i think that's really why it sells so well is these these are these are really well drawn characters so mm-hmm. with the real emotional stakes and i'll hold that thought because i want to get back to it but i just not only is it grounded uh, in, the, in the real character drama and these like really um, heartfelt themes, which again, I'll talk to you in a second, but I just love the way the film uses it the, the, for its humor, for example. So they make a, a Ratatouille joke about the raccoon early in the movie. And then later <laughs> in the movie, they actually put a raccoon controlling a cook. And then like, it's not just like a, a, a gag, like one scene gag, like they commit to it. <laughs> and there's the scene where the raccoon gets taken to the Chasing animal shelter. Him. It's amazing. Oh my God. <laughs> it yeah. is wild. No, it's funny. Um, and again, like they, the, a lot of stuff like that, they just throw in these little things that you're, you don't think are going to be a big deal. And it turns, they, and they turn it into a bit later in the movie. Um, just really well thought out, really creative, um, maybe a little self-indulgent, but again, it just, it worked for me, you know? Yeah. Um, the inventiveness kind of, you know, even like when something, like you said, like there's so much happening, it's like, that is so bizarre. It came from somebody's brain and it's now in mine. <laughs> so yes. I'm thankful for this, you know, like. Well, and, and again, just like going back to the, the multiverse rules, it's like it doesn't. Yeah, you just made a dumb joke about this happening. But there is theoretically a universe out there where that thing happened, mm-hmm. you know, which is just just the silliest thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the But also it gets kind of meta in a certain way, too, because you also see Michelle Yeoh's character, uh, Evelyn, as a movie star. And in fact, I'm pretty sure they use real sizzle reel from Michelle Yeoh's film career in the, the B-roll when they do kind of a quick cut. I'm pretty sure I saw Crazy Rich Asians in there somewhere. So, um, like, it's just uh, so it's 
simultaneously throwing all these rules and it's a big ambitious multiverse story, but then it's also very self-aware. There's a, a point where I guess what we were watching was, was a movie within the universe. Cause they have the, 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 the fake credits roll again, just so many layers. It's amazing that these things all work together in a, a form that was cohesive. And I think that's going to tie back to what you're talking about, Laron. It works really well because it's it's very focused on themes like family and regret and acceptance. Uh, and uh, actually, Cloud Atlas was a good shout out because similarly, that movie, the only thing that ties those stories together is the, th- the themes and how they're intercut and intertwined with one another. And I think this film uh, does a good job at that as well. Um, but I wanted to get your take. I mean... Uh, I mean, how did this film go about doing that so well? Laurent, I'll throw it back to you. I mean, I think it shows that no matter like how bizarre each realm is, they're all connected, impacted, and um, affected by the choices that the characters are making. Um, and it illustrates kind of like how the power of like love and kindness can have this ripple effect in the universe, and as and vice versa, how hate and intolerance can do the same. And how those small choices and those small changes can impact a person's life and can also, you know, change the trajectory of, you know, things in the future to come. So I thought that that was just done very well. Yeah. Well, I like how they tie it to her relationship, Michelle Yeoh's, uh, Evelyn's relationship with her father being mm-hmm. like, I, like you said, you you inherited this like this sort of hatred or distaste or uh, intolerance. Is like built and programmed to her, but like that intolerance is ultimately what leads to this broken relationship with her daughter, which you know sort of leads to the her the uh, Jobu Tapaki version of herself. You <laughs> yeah. know, right. um, it yeah. just it, but like the way that they overcome that uh, was through the power of uh, love and understanding. Um, learning despite the fact that the movie is like here's all these potential realities, one could argue none of it matters. The whole movie sort of the argument that I think that she's having with Jobu uh, Tapaki is she's saying all this is meaningless and sort of Evelyn comes around to, no, no, those little moments matter a mm-hmm. lot. Uh, and that was where I started to get really weepy eyed. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, where she kind of comes to this realization towards the end of the film. But Harold, I want to turn it back to you. I mean, like, what did you, did you think this did uh, sort of tied pretty well with the themes? I definitely do think, and I, I, you know, the, the thing that stuck out to me the whole time is just that the, the feeling of humor throughout as an entire thing, you know, it's kind of addressed that she's so good at so many things. She's potentially so good at so many things because she's not good at anything <laughs> like that killed me. And I just, you know, kept that in my mind throughout that every time she was able to do something else because she was like not good at anything. Um, but I think what made it universal in, you know, when we kind of look at the different lives that she had, the parallel lives, She's dealing with something very human in every single one of those, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of that that lost connection when in the movie star world, um, the relationship problems and the one with Jamie Lee Curtis, with the hot dog fingers. Oh, yeah. We haven't even talked about the hot dog <laughs> fingers yet. Oh, my God. Which are for sale now on 824 if you're looking I for do that. Kid. I did that, you guys, that to you. You guys both sent okay. it to me in the city yesterday. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but that just shows, you know, to me, that's just kind of an an odd coupling for a purpose to show no matter how ridiculous this is in each universe, they're all dealing with something that's very human and universal to everyone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or even the, uh, the universe with the raccoon chef. Um, it was jealousy of her peer right. that then turned into guilt 
for like taking Raccoonie away from him, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's just, but it's, no, it's all there though. It's like, it's that, all there. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's the decision of, do you choose to love one another versus do you, do you choose to, do you choose to build the relationship or tear it down again? All going back to the fact that her father was like, cursed her and ban I mean she moved to America because her father disowned her essentially except for the Kung universe uh, the Kung Fu universe where she stays behind um but even in that universe like she's seeking out human connection right she's still um, dealing with that problem mm-hmm. and it's just in a different way god yeah. I want to watch this again now I can't yeah. wait <laughs> for real I absolutely man. can't wait so listeners you should go out and see it if you haven't picked that up by now um well uh let's move on to sort of the the second topic, which I kind of play my hand here a little bit already, which is appreciate what's right in front of you. So uh, again, the film opens with Evelyn who is perpetually overwhelmed, busy, 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 uh, and rarely living in the moment. She's ignoring the emotional needs of both herself and those around her. It's so sad. Like even when her husband's trying to make who has, by the way, at this point already decided he wants a divorce, still tries to like make some nudges or, or um, kind of like, look for an emotional support or connection. She totally shuts it down. I mean, the, the scene to begin the movie when she's, uh, he's like, maybe after this is all over, we can go on a trip somewhere. And she just totally blows him off. Yeah. She's like, if you think of one more thing. Um, so Jobu, uh, Jobu Tapaki and her bagel is essentially the acceptance of nothingness and nihilism. You know, so um, I already said, sort of said my piece here, but Lauren, I mean, how do you think this film explores the importance of relationships um, and and their role in the mundanity of life. Well, I think I mean my biggest takeaway, of course, obviously, is again as you mentioned, to kind of cherish the small things, the simplicity of life, because they really do. I mean, the cumulative effect of those are things we remember the most. Um, the things we focus so much on are never seem to be as important in the long run. And so I think that it just it gives us um, a chance to kind of be vulnerable for once, and and, and also to just to look at everything in our lives and like pay attention to the people around us because there's, there's a lot that we, we get busy with, we get lost with, and we don't know what kind of harm emotional otherwise that we're creating for others when we're not paying attention, when we're so fixated on things that aren't important, you know, because in the end we don't want to have those regrets and say, Hey, you know, why didn't I say, why didn't you just tell me that thing? Or why didn't you just do that thing? And so also being community, I mean, communication is also a big thing, a big part of it. Like you said, he's trying to get a divorce with his wife, but he she's too busy to even hear hear him say it, you know. So he can't even you know schedule a time to do that. And so, but there's there's so much more that could be no, changed if I mean, people were you know present in the moment. One of the things sense. that really endeared this movie to me was how human the people feel. They act like human beings, in that you know they don't take that time. She doesn't want to take that time because she simply cannot sit still and wants to keep going, keep the business running. We can't stop it running like it's going to close if we do. And you know, in some ways it really shows the nature of people. Like she did not intend to hurt him in that way, but she did in unknowingly in an unknowing way. And so we show you know, we're always judging people based on what they do, but when we do it ourselves, we base it on the intent. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think she ever intended for it to get to that point. But later in the point, you see that you see, later in the movie, you see it turn. And the biggest part of the heart that stuck out to me where I saw the most, it, where it was most relatable to me was with the husband. And we see, you know, the entire movie, he's such fun, like a funny, kind, aloof guy. And, 
that ends up being his ultimate strength is his kindness. Mm -hmm. And the entire time it's almost seen as like a weakness in her eyes. And so just the way that ends up subverting that and kind of flipping on its head. And that's like his biggest strength and how he comes through is through kindness. Um, That was the part that really stuck out to me and was like the biggest heart in the film to me. Yeah. I mean, um, gosh, there's so many great moments with him there. I mean, the, the one that really, really moved me, and I, I was getting misty eyed at the I mean, throughout this movie several times. But the there's the setup at the beginning of the movie where he see they see the old couple trying to help each other uh, at the RS, and then at mm. the end of the movie they basically turn into the old couple a little bit. <laughs> it was so sweet, it was so moving. Um, but also the scene where she was freaking out about the world melting down, and all he did was talk to Jamie Lee Curtis, the IRS lady, and say, "Hey, lots going on. We're trying to get a divorce. Like, can you get right. cut us a break?" That was all it took, right. you know, and. But to your point, she didn't even take the moment to hear him out on that, right? Right. The uh, idea of generational trauma, of course, is consistent throughout the film. I've already kind of shared my piece here as well. Um, you know, specifically, of course, the re- relationship with Evelyn and her father Gong Gong, um, and then uh, again, that's passed down to Evelyn's daughter Joy. Uh, so, I mean, did you guys have anything you wanted to add about how the film speaks to healing those bro- uh, broken relationships, Lorraine? I mean, I think it talks about how transformative that healing can be and also how mu- how in control we are of being able to stop that generational trauma from happening. Because generational trauma kind of happens organically, you know, and it's like we, we don't have the conversation until the harm is already done, you know. Um, but as soon as we can communicate, if we know it, like, you know, we know she's the mother's going through it, the daughter's going through it. So it, there's obviously a pattern of behavior here. And if we could just acknowledge that, then we can, you know, start manifesting the roots of that change. And I think that um, the film presents like an opportunity for that to happen. And it doesn't take much, you know, it just takes that, you know, that little bit of, of, of attention and care um, to kind of change the trajectory of those, of the, of that trauma. So, um, yeah. And I think that's a good lesson just in life for, for everyone. So, mm-hmm. yeah, being intentional. Um, I kind of like the movie because so the movie sort of presents Gong Gong as this very traditionalist, uh, angry, you know, father figure to her, uh, to Evelyn. I thought the sort of the, the way they position the reveal that joy is, uh, you know, uh, in a relationship with another woman, I found that to be pretty, um, fascinating because it's not really clear whether Gong Gong actually is upset about it or not. Uh, because I think the everyone anticipates, Oh my gosh, he's going to lose his stuff. So at the beginning of the film, we see her try to sweep it under the rug. But later in the film, we see that actually he's, it doesn't make it clear if he's accepting, but he's at least, Oh, you're my granddaughter's girlfriend. Ooh, that's interesting. Um, I found that to be pretty, pretty fascinating though. There's just so that subtext, um, mostly, uh, because the Joey Topaki film, like, I thought just that was the funniest line. She's like, wait, you guys actually care about who dates who like, like, you know what I mean? Like, that's the nice thing about you the guys multi- are still stuck on that. Right. Yeah. Well, and I'm just saying like, because whenever you like look at a multiverse and the infinite possibilities, it's like, and I call it out, but there's a lot of different examples in the film. This whole universe is so big. The thing you're hung up on, the reason you can't have a meaningful relationship with your daughter is because you're embarrassed of her sexual orientation or sexual identity. It just seems kind of silly, right? So the way this film is able to hone in on very specific examples and kind of position it in this larger multiverse where all these 
these things that people get hung up on are really trivial at the end of the day, yeah. while also saying those really small moments, those really small moments mean the most. They mean everything, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Ah, it's good stuff. So, sorry, Harold. I think uh, you just nailed it on the head. And what that's that it. Is about. <laughs> and with the narrative being, you know, we see all these different people from the multiverse, even her, uh, the uh, Joy's alternate crazy, like ultimate villain form in another universe is like this absurdly dressed, funny person. And the thing that's absurd to her is that thing, mm. that unaccepting of the sexual orientation. So it's like, you know, to us, that's her, that whole, her whole narrative is absurd. But then to her, this part's absurd. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, you know, it was an interesting way that they, they talked about it. And, you know, early on they have, um, they, they build in that Joy has that tumultuous relationship with her mom. And it's the generational thing that we're talking about, how the mom had the, the tumultuous relationship with her dad. And, um. I just thought it was an interesting way that they ended up making that trauma be the ultimate villain in uh, the Jobu, um, Jobu Tupaki. That was like trauma incarnate, and that was the mm -hmm. ultimate villain of the entire movie. Yeah. yeah. Man, it's so good. I mean, it literalizes the, you know, turns a theme into a character into form, but yeah, it just, it's so, it's so great. Uh, well, let's move on to the last sort of topic here. And I just have it listed as this movie is absurdity. No, it's not just absurd. It is absurdity. This movie is crazy. Uh, let, let's just throw it out on the table. What was your favorite thing that happened in this movie? I mean, there's a lot. Uh, Harold, I'll start with you. Oh, man. Okay, there's several for sure. Um, one of the highlights to me was that first fight, whether in the IRS um, there was so many cool moments there, um, just cinematography wise, like they put a damn tracking camera on the fanny pack in the <laughs> shot. And I was like, why did they do that shot? But it's awesome. Um, I love that. I love the, uh, piggyback to get the raccoon back. Like what, are you, what in the world is going on? Um, I did feel a pretty collective, like what the hell at the moment, um, where we realized that everything that's an everything bagel. Yeah. Like that killed me. But my favorite part, if I had to pick one, um, and I, I talked to Daniel about this at the movie too, is there's a scene where it's just two boulders in a on a yes. plateau. And I'm like, I turned oh, to him at that man. point and I was like, oh, man, are they really going to make me cry with two boulders? They sure are. On a plateau. Oh, bro. Yeah. And Daniel was shook too. He was just like, dude, I'm, I'm misty eyed right now. So that was my, it's funny, all this absurd thing and all these crazy big grand things. And then the part that really stuck out to me that I kept thinking about after the movie was two rocks and text on the screen. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. I, I just have to say that it, it is simply amazing that some of the most emotional moments in the film come from two rocks sitting on a cliff <laughs> with subtitles. How good is the movie that that part moves you that much? Mm -hmm. And that's not even necessarily the best part of the movie like that's crazy to me it's wild yeah the the rocks anytime i laughed the rocks were there i laughed i cried it was it was beautiful the ron chapman how about you man it's a two-way tie between the hot dog lesbian <laughs> oh fingers God. universe between <laughs> jamie lee curtis and michelle yo <laughs> And the what about the what about the part where the ketchup and mustard start coming oh, out of yeah, the fingers? Oh, just my God. so much happening. And <laughs> I just you watch it, and that's the thing, it's so absurd. You you're looking at it, and then you have to process it, and then you're 
then you're like blown away again as you're processing like not only is it crazy they did that <laughs> it's like and i it, and i'm here for it you know so i love i love it also love how they cut back to like the apes evolution scene that looked yes. like it was out of 2001 with <laughs> oh, the, the hot dog fingers they, they, yeah, yeah. they killed the dominant trait of the regular hands oh, man. that killed just and just there's so many ideas that they infuse into this but then of course that fight sequence involving the two Trophies, the the <laughs> anal plug trophies <laughs> yeah. that I thought, no, we're not. They're not going to. They did. And they did they do sure it. Did. And they did. Body and they did. slam that thing. And then they remain there throughout the fight sequence. Like you can yeah. see it's still there, like, you know, in, in its spot. And so that just that those moments like that where I just like, I can't unsee that. And now that's forever <laughs> right there. So, um, so yeah, I think between those two, yeah, they did you the the courtesy of blurring out. They did blur yeah, it out. That yeah. would killed me. That, that was, was yeah. funny. Yeah. yeah, but how cool is that? That it's like I had like three or four that stuck out to me, and then you had two completely different ones. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna give a shout out. I mean, I don't know if it's my favorite, but just another really impressive moment that's up there for me was just the first scene um, where the the husband snaps into his mode and does the Jackie Chan style. Fight scene where he was just you know the drunken master like tight. pulling up anything the the fanny pack the chairs all the things um, were great. I also really enjoyed the scene where uh, the the grandfather came into it too, and they're like, "Wait, seriously? He's here now?" Like I don't know, just it just like felt like <laughs> everything. There was nothing off the. At that point, you're like, "There's literally nothing off the table for this movie. For sure. Anything could happen. It, it's so bonkers." Right? I, it's like we now know why they settled on the title for the movie. Right? They just yeah. didn't know. It's everything, guys. All at once, all the time. <laughs> all the time. Um, also, a uh, shout out to the uh, the fake ending, which I knew in the moment wasn't the fake ending, but they committed. They, they held really, it. Th- I looked over Daniel for a I was while. Like, uh, what? He's like, dude, it's not that much time has passed. And then you waited like. I, I think if I need, I would love to go back in time. It felt like 30 seconds. I don't think it was actually 30 seconds, but there was a good like mo- enough of a moment for me to like look over and be like, I, there's not this is not the real impact. I this definitely is, looked up yeah. and down the row like, uh. yeah, <laughs> it's like I was like, I was going through my head every plot point. I was like, what has not been established or concluded? What have we yet? not resolved? What yeah. have we not resolved yet? Exactly. Like, there's a lot. It's like a- I also want to point out, again, this goes back to what I was saying earlier about how they plant seeds. They pay off later in ways that you just absolutely wouldn't expect. So the I love you being the thing to Jamie Lee Curtis and the, mm. earlier in the film, she's like, got to say, I love you with passion. And you got to mean it. You got to mean it, right? Yeah. And then at the end of the film, when they're hot dog fingered lovers, they, <laughs> you actually see it and you're like, wow, this is just bonkers it's bonkers yeah. and somehow it works it works uh last thing last question as we start to wind down we've already talked about how awesome michelle yo is in this film but which version was your favorite we have a lot to choose from we got hot dog version oh we didn't even talk about we didn't even talk about pinata version or animated version <laughs> uh, movie star version pinata. yes <laughs> rock version uh, so, which version of Michelle Yeoh was your favorite? Harold, I'll start with you. I honestly the the present tense Michelle. I mean, it was just I, I said it earlier, but that that idea of you're so not good at anything, so you have all that potential. Isn't that how we feel sometimes? Like, mm-hmm. man, we don't you don't 
I am sometimes not even comfortable in my own skin or thinking that I'm good at something. So it was just cool to see that. And then her rising to this potential that she had in so many different areas. I, For me, that was like my favorite one of, of uh, the characters. That's beautiful. It's a good way to look at it. Ron? You know, I'm, I have to agree. I actually think the present day Michelle is the, the most, uh, you know, um, the one that has all the weight because without it, I don't think we would be able to take the other universes seriously. Um, but because we care so much about the core, that woman that we've met, you know, these other universes take, take form, you know? And so, yeah, I think the present, present day Michelle, and there's also that through line between her and her daughter, which kind of, again, just anchors the entire story so that again, everything has weight. So um, yeah, I think present day Michelle is my favorite. The other ones are good for gags and good for yeah, whatever, yeah. but I think that that is the, that's the through line for us for sure. You guys make a pretty compelling case. I really want to say the pinata Michelle, Yeo, but uh, you know, she's really only there for the gag. So I guess I'll yeah. give you a pass on that. Um, but uh, yeah, again, tremendous performance, wildly creative imagination for us to have so many different versions that all still feel like they're grounded in the same core character. Just incredible filmmaking. Well, gentlemen, I think we are about out of time, but before we close, I just wanted to give you guys a chance to leave a final word. Is there anything else you would like to say about everything, everywhere, all at once, Leron? Uh, please go see it in the movie theaters because if we want movies that have this kind of this caliber of originality, we need people, we need butts and seats. And so I think that people going out to support indie films like this in the multiplex will bring movies like that. Otherwise, we'll be stuck with um, ambulance. <laughs> That wait, hold I did on. Not see that coming up. That's different, awesome. Different podcast, but I just want to point out, Laron. I just want to point out two things, two flaws in that argument. Number one, that is a non-IP Michael Bay movie. Okay, that there's no Transformers attached. Number two, it's it's flawed because that movie actually flopped the box office last weekend, so no one's that, seeing Ambulance. That's fair. That's fair. But also, I hear you. <laughs> uh, Harold, what would you say to listeners? Final word. No, yeah, it, it, it's a great. I mean, it's a great watch for sure. Um, I will mention from earlier, the one qualm that I had was, um, we've talked about it a little bit, but, you know, it's, it's broken into three chapters, essentially. And it feels like when we get to chapter three, that they were like, oh, shit, we had to end the movie somehow. Like, it feels a little bit like that, like the the timing. And it's like that chapter ends up being like five minutes or something like that. Right. Need um, a little more breathing room, yeah, or just was, trimmed a little bit. Yeah, differently. yeah exactly. The, the so, first, the first act, and again, this movie, I, I understand it because obviously to pull all this off, you have to have a, a, a tremendous amount of quality setup for it to work. But that first one takes up a good half the yeah, movie. It yeah. does. Where the the two and three really make. I mean, two takes up what another third of it, and then the the third gets just a little tiny bit at the end. Feels yeah. more like an epilogue. Yeah, but. So that was like my one hang up with it from like a narrative and structure standpoint. Um, we do get one of my favorite moments in that last act where um, I think I actually mentioned it to you after we were walking out that we see them mirror that at the very beginning when they get to the IRS place, they uh, there's an old couple that share a, a real intimate kiss moment whenever one's going to the bathroom and then they mirror that at the very end it's almost like bookends yeah um it's such a small moment but it was like it Very cut me right to the heart uh, it's powerful stuff though I, I love it uh last thing i'd say on my end just to reiterate what Laurent said i get really tired of people saying they're on original ideas um 
in the movies because same people who say that also only go to Marvel movies or superhero <laughs> movies. And then when stuff like this shows up and people like us are like, go see this movie, they're like, eh, it's not my thing. Right. So mm-hmm. what I will say is whether you think this thing is whether or not you think this movie is your thing, go see it. I guarantee you, you will at least laugh. Yeah. If nothing else, you might be confused and not know what the hell's going on, but trust me, you will walk away saying, now that was cinema. There you go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is our review of everything everywhere all at once. Um, Again, stay tuned here in a moment. I'll tell you what we'll be reviewing on our next episode. But first, I want to give listeners an opportunity to hear about where they can follow each of you online. So, Harold Story, where can people keep up with you and your work online? Yeah, sure. Um, As Caleb mentioned, I run Toons Toons Podcast. Um, I recently launched a website, toonstoons.co. That's T-U-N-E-S-T-O-O-N-S.co. I'm looking to get into some more writing there, doing writing about music. Um, animation things are just interesting to me. Of course, I have the podcast going, trying to talk to people about the music and animation that stands out to them and has had a big impact on them. Um, and then, yeah, you could follow that on, you could find the socials on that and, and everything like that. So, um, and then, yeah, I'm doing a pretty cool thing on Monday nights. If you don't mind me talking about that, yeah, go I, for uh, it. there's a bar in Oklahoma city. If you're here, uh, if you're a local here. Um, it's called Pony Boy on 23rd Street. Um, I do programming on Monday nights as part of a bigger block called Mondo Mondays. I do a block called After School Anime from 6 to 8 where I'm programming cool uh, shows, um, movies, showing local bands, music videos. It's just like a, a block of programming to come hang out, have food, um, you know, watch some cool stuff and just, you know, have a good time. Uh, and then there's a genre film after at eight and then open mic comedy at 10. It's a whole production. It's a lot of fun. So come check that out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. and again, that's at the uh, pony boy. OKC Monday uh-huh. nights, every Monday. Yeah. Every Monday. Part. Yeah. And uh, a couple things I, I want to say about you, Harold. Uh, one, you put so much work into the after school anime, like listeners, he actually like goes through, finds the episodes for the anime that he wants and puts it and edits it together as if you were watching it on Cartoon Network on a Friday night. Like, it legit, you even use, like, some of the transitions and stuff. Again, just tremendous amount of work, and it, it really recaptures the nostalgia. Um, and I just think it's a really cool thing you to do. So go check it out. It's a lot of fun. Um, I've been a few times. It's definitely worth your time. Harold, I want us to go back to the Tunes Tunes podcast, though, because I, I I think you undersold yourself a little bit. Not only are you talking about music and anime, you've talked to some pretty prominent people in those spheres. I mean, especially in the animation side. Like, who are some of the guests you've had on? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, I've gotten really cool opportunities to talk to several people. Uh, Fred Seibert's a recent one. He uh, was the last president of Hanna-Barbera Animation Studios. So if you like think Scooby-Doo, stuff like that. Um, he was the first creative director at MTV. So he talked to me about how they came up with the branding for MTV, which is insane. Awesome. Um, and then, yeah, just, you know, I've had a couple people back on multiple times. Um, I just recently talked to Jim Lang. That's probably one of the more recent episodes that just came out. Uh, Jim Lang did the uh, music for the cartoon Hey Arnold. And so he just recently released a uh, an album of his original music. So, you know, I, I love talking to people about the things that they worked on that I love. Um, I loved Hey Arnold and I loved getting to talk to Jim. You know, I've talked to him a few times. And when I saw that he was doing a new project that was, you know, a little bit more original music, I knew that I wanted to talk to him and, you know, promote his thing. You know, um, when you appreciate people, support them. However you can. And that's what I've always tried to do. Awesome. Yeah. Listeners go check it out. It's a, it's a great conversation every week or 
it's a great conversation every episode. Uh, and uh, I've been fortunate to be on a few times, but uh, you've got some really great people who've really built a lot of those nostalgic memories along the way. I mean, you've talked with people who've worked on them. Yeah. Hey Arnold, uh, fairly odd parents, invaders, um, a lot of nineties, yeah. early aughts, uh, cartoon network, Nickelodeon. So fun stuff. LaRon Chapman, where can people keep up with you and your work online? Man, hey, Arnold takes me back. Um, <laughs> uh, you can follow me and my film reviews on Facebook under my name, LaRon Chapman, or on Letterboxd at Cine underscore man, um, or you can follow me on Instagram at Black Movie Magic OKC. Excellent. And, of course, you can find uh, all the work we do here at The Cinematropolis over at thecinematropolis.com. You can follow us on Twitter at The Cinematrop or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash The Cinematropolis. If you want to see me personally tweeting about films, movies, and video games – I said films, movies – Films, television, and video games. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at C Masters Talk. That is letter C Masters Talk. Thanks so much to everyone for joining us today. We'll catch you in our next review discussion. I don't get to do this very often, but this one, this one's pretty much a luck. We are going to be reviewing Robert Eggers' new film, The Northman, uh, which is coming to a theater near you. I can't believe these two movies came out this close together, guys. <laughs> it's so great. I'm so excited. Anyway, we'll be talking about that in our next episode. Until next time. <laughs>